Welcome to the Wise Crone Cottage Podcast with storyteller Kathy Shimpock. Here we'll meet the crone and uncover her wisdom as found in fairy tales, folk tales, and myths. For it is true that stories, as it is with many people, become better as they grow older. Know that no matter how difficult your journey has been through the magical forest, the wise crone always opens her door to you. In this episode, we'll continue our discussion of the Russian folktale, Go I Know Not Whither, and Fetch I Know Not What. In doing so, we'll learn a bit more about Baba Yaga, the Slavic character who's part witch and part wise crone. Who is she in this story? Maybe it's a bit of both. I'll let you decide. A great while ago, when the world was full of wonders. In the last podcast, I read you the story of Go I Know Not Whither and Fetch I Know Not What. It's a long tale with lots of twists and turns. Mostly, it's a hero's journey story. In the version I shared, a young archer, Fadat, was hunting for the king. He saw a dove and shot at it, breaking its wing. Before Fadat could kill the bird, it began to speak. The bird asked for mercy. She tells him to take her home and put her in the window. Right before slumber, he must stroke her the wrong side down with his right hand. If Fadat only does that, good fortune is his. It's such an implausible situation. A talking bird and some unusual instructions. But nevertheless, the archer takes the bird home and does as she requests. He proves to be a kind man. The bird transforms into the most beautiful of maidens and becomes his wife. After some time, the bird maiden grows tired of her husband's hunting. It's no wonder she's part bird after all. She has an idea as to how to make enough money to set them up. She makes a carpet with magical help and the archer takes it to the market. After some interesting salesmanship, for Fadat's given instructions not to haggle the price, he sells it to the king's steward. The steward immediately resells the rug to the king for double the price he paid. The steward knows a good deal when he sees one, so he seeks out the archer's wife. When he sees her beauty, He falls dumbstruck in love with her. The king finally figures out what's going on, goes to see the archer's wife, and is determined to make her his own. Now the plot thickens. The king tells the steward to get rid of Fadat. The steward doesn't know what to do. He wanders around the marketplace for a while until he meets up with none other than Baba Yaga. By the way, if you've forgotten about Baba Yaga, be sure to listen to my earlier podcast on the story of Vasilisa the Beautiful. For now, just envision a fearsome old woman who wears skulls around her neck, rides around in a mortar and pestle, and lives in a small hut that walks around on chicken legs. It's a great image, isn't it? 
Baba Yaga has only a few lines in the story, but her words make all the difference. That's her role, to set the course for the hero and determine his worth. If you'd like to learn more about the Baba Yaga character, I'll refer you to Andreas John's book, Baba Yaga, The Ambiguous Mother and Witch of the Russian Folktale. But now, a story. Not in my time, not in your time, but in the wise crone's time. So, back to the story. Baba Yaga knows something is up, and she asks the steward if she can help. The steward agrees to pay her price, and this is what she says. I know you've been told to get rid of the archer. That is not as easy as you may think. Oh, killing him is easy enough, but his wife, not so much. She is more skillful. What we need is for the king to command the archer to do something that cannot be accomplished quickly or easily. Tell the king to command the archer to, uh, let's see, well, to go I know not where and fetch I know not what. (laughs) That could never be accomplished. He will either disappear or die trying. The steward tells the king exactly what Baba Yaga said, and the king commands the archer to go on this fool's errand. But before he does, his wife seeks guidance from the magical world. She tells Fadat it will take 18 years to complete his task. He must take with him the king's gold and her pocket handkerchief. Whenever Fadat washes himself, he should dry his face with the handkerchief. She also gives him a magical ball to mark the path. So the archer starts off on his journey, and the king attempts to take her as his wife. But she rebukes the king, turns back into a dove, and flies away. The archer continues his journey until he arrives at a palace where he finds three lovely damsels. They start to ask him questions, but he refuses to answer until they give him food, drink, and a place to rest. The next morning, the damsels come with the wash basin so Fadak can wash his face. After he does so, he dries his face with his wife's handkerchief. They recognize the embroidery and know he married one of their kin. The women call in their old mother. She sees the handkerchief and recognizes the work as that of her daughter. And so the archer tells her of his task, and the old woman offers to help, for she and her entire family are magical too. The old woman asks her servants to take them to the wide sea ocean and place them in the center of it, in the very abyss. She asks the sea creatures if they have heard how to find I know not where to fetch I know not what. All the sea creatures say no until an old lame croaking frog says he knows where to find the marvel. 
She asks the frog how to get there. The frog replies that he would take the archer except that he can scarcely move his legs. The old woman gets a jar, fills it with milk, and puts the frog inside. She tells the archer to hold the jar in his hand, and the frog will guide him. And that's exactly what Fadat does. The archer continues, with the frog leading the way, until he finally finds some sort of invisible genie-like creature called Shamat Razum. The genie agrees to travel with him and obey all his commands, for the archer treats him with respect. Many adventures occur, and Fadat returns home to his wife. They live in their magically created palace, win a battle with the king, and become the rightful rulers of the land. Much happened in this story that I am only summarizing here. I focus the tale from the standpoint of Baba Yaga and the old woman, for after all, this is the Wise Crone Cottage podcast, not the Bumbling Archer podcast. We've still got much to discuss about the crone in this tale. The rest just isn't as relevant for our purpose. However, I do suggest you read the text of the story or listen to my last podcast to hear it in full. It's long, but quite enjoyable. You may be wondering how I know these old stories, but that is a story for another day. The moral of the story is... Just like every other story, this one has many interpretations. Most commentators see this as an initiation tale, a hero's journey in which a young man's actions determine if he's worthy of his magical bride. Fadat is young and skillful as an archer, but he hasn't been tested in the ways of life. We don't know if he can distinguish right from wrong. Is he marriage material? Will he make a worthy husband? One day, Fadat unexpectedly comes upon a magical bird. Is this his destiny? He shoots the bird and breaks her wing. Before he can wring her neck, she begins to speak and convinces him to save her life. As we later determine, she is magical and can shapeshift at will. The unusual and detailed instructions given to Fadat are not necessary. So why does she appear so vulnerable here? She's determining his nature. The stage is set for the archer's adventure. In the hero's journey cycle, Fadat now finds himself at the threshold. The two marry and the story moves to their future. The bird maiden does not want a hunter as a husband. The archer's wife wants to make a rug that will provide the couple with enough money so he will no longer need to be in the king's service. He sells the rug without haggling. He is told not to offer a price. He is an honest seller who truly does not know the value of the rug. The steward sets a price, half of the rug's value, but that's not enough. The greedy steward wants more. He seeks out the bird maiden, tells the king, and then both the steward and the king fall under her spell of great beauty. 
the only male in the story who isn't dumbstruck by her beauty, is Fadad. Perhaps this also speaks to his character, for Fadad finds virtue beyond superficial beauty. The king in his lustful and envious state wishes Fadad harm. He gives the task to the steward, who doesn't know what to do, until he runs into Baba Yaga. Is that a fortuitous event, or was Baba Yaga waiting for him? It may appear to be a random turn of events, but what if Baba Yaga is the bird maiden's mother or aunt? If so, she knowingly comes up with the impossible task that will determine Fadat's worth. It's what crones do, after all. In folk tales, Baba Yaga speaks cryptically. Her words both test the protagonist while also sharing information that will prove valuable later in the story. It's sometimes a test, sometimes a prophecy, and sometimes a warning. She starts Fadat's adventure by saying he needs to go I know not where and fetch I know not what. It will be a difficult adventure. But if Fadat succeeds, he will be rewarded. Fadat doesn't know this. He's just wanting to save his life and get back to his wife. This is how most heroes' journeys begin. It is how most lives play out. We start in the ordinary world, but somehow we are pushed into more than a poorly defined task. We are entering the road of obstacles, trials, and challenges. It might be a health challenge, a relationship trial, losing a job. There are many times we feel a bit lost. But what to do? Where do we look for a solution? We often feel as if we are going I know not where to get I know not what. Baba Yaga's advice is taken. Fadat's wife sends him off with some of the king's gold, her handkerchief, and a ball. It's going to be a long, 18-year journey. The bird maiden doesn't tell him to go to her homeland but she tells him to throw a magical ball before him and follow wherever it goes. She tells him to use only her handkerchief to dry his face. Fadat's course is set, and he arrives at the magical palace, the home of his bird maiden wife. There he finds three lovely damsels. They begin to ask him questions, which he refuses to answer. Instead, he tells them, to offer him something to eat and drink and give him time to rest. Only then will he speak to them. This part of the story seems a bit out of character, for Fadat has not been so assertive before. But his behavior fits with the pattern of Baba Yaga stories, in which there is a male hero. In many stories, the protagonist is sent to find Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga's standard question is, Are you here of your own free will or by compulsion, my good youth? It's the first test of the soon-to-be hero. If he replies he is sent, his interaction with Baba Yaga goes quite poorly. But if he shows any agency, 
he will succeed. Here he is more confrontational. The young beauties respond as Baba Yaga often does when the hero does the unexpected. When he tells them what to do, they comply. The next day, the beauties offer him a basin to wash his face. He dries his face on his wife's handkerchief. They recognize it as being associated with their family, just as seeing a family crest. The beauties call for their mother, and in comes an old woman who identifies the handkerchief as belonging to her daughter. But who is this old woman? She has no name in the story. Many Baba Yaga stories have two old women characters. One is Baba Yaga, who appears in her more ferocious aspect, and the other is a grandmotherly figure who acts kind and helpful. But are they both Baba Yaga? Remember, Baba Yaga is not a singular figure. We discover in other stories that she has sisters and children, too. In this tale, the bird maiden's mother could be the first Baba Yaga, her sister, that is the second Baba Yaga, or perhaps some random magical old woman. The latter is unlikely. It's more probable that she is one of the Baba Yagas. In this instance, Baba Yaga number two, the bird maiden's mother, becomes Fadat's donor the one who gives him just the magical object needed. Russian folklorist and scholar Vladimir Prop writes in his book Morphology of the Folktale, Baba Yaga guards the boundary of the other world and the entrance to it. She lets only the worthy pass through. The hero is never disturbed by her welcome. This is the benevolent type of Yaga the gift-giver and advisor. She shows the hero the path. From now on, he knows where to go. She gives the hero magical objects or a magical helper, and the action moves to a new stage. Yaga belongs to the broad category of the folktale donor. Meeting with a donor is a canonical form of development of the action. He or she is always met by chance and the hero earns, or somehow otherwise obtains, a magical object. Possession of the magical object defines success and the story's outcome. And that is exactly what we see in the story. Fadat's mother-in-law and the entire family is magical. After he tells her his story, she asks her magical servants for their help and advice. Scholar Joanna Hubbs contends that Baba Yaga represents a powerful female deity. Maria Louise von Franz agrees, believing that Baba Yaga represents an aspect of the Great Mother. It's easy to make that comparison in this story. Fadat's mother-in-law goes with him to the center of the earth. It's a place of transition to the other world. She is the one who can request help from all the universe. She is the one to whom the old lame croaking frog speaks. He is the only one who has the answer to go I know not where and fetch I know not what. But the frog is old and lame. How can he guide the archer? It's the wisdom of the wise crone that appears now. 
for Dot's mother-in-law, knows to put the frog's feet in milk. It may seem like an odd act, except that it was an ancient Russian way of keeping milk from going sour. By the way, science is now showing that might be true. Obviously, Fadat's mother-in-law is Baba Yaga, too. She gives him the help he needs just when he needs it most. And so, even though the story continues for the hero, his success is assured as soon as she finds the frog. Fadat meets an invisible servant, Shamat Razam, who agrees to come with him because he treats the genie with kindness and respect. Instead of going straight home, they return first to his mother-in-law's house. The story says that Fadat made his new servant regale the old woman and her daughters right royally. The genie feasted them so bountifully that the old woman very nearly danced for joy and ordered the frog three jars of fresh milk every nine days for his faithful services. The archer then took leave of his mother-in-law and wended his way homeward. And as Fadat takes his leave, we do too, for this is the end of the story of Baba Yaga and his Yaga-in-law. Throughout the tale, we see her hand in crafting the events that followed, and yet throughout, we see Fadat showing kindness and respect again and again. Folklorist Jack Sipes writes in his book, The Irresistible Fairy Tale. At times, she can also be generous with her advice, yet her counsel and help do not come cheaply, for a Baba Yaga is always testing the people who come to her by chance or choice, demands that young men or women deserve her help. But what Baba Yaga also defends in the 19th century tales are qualities that the protagonists need in order to adapt and survive, such as perseverance, kindness, obedience, integrity, and courage. Fadat proved his worth as husband to the bird maiden, son-in-law to Baba Yaga, and ruler of the land. Zipes argues, that Baba Yaga is not portrayed as malignant in any of these tales. Of course, she is dangerous and wary of anyone who enters her terrain. She has enormous powers and is inscrutable. Without her assistance, a protagonist, female or male, cannot overcome evil. Perhaps we need a little more Baba Yaga in the world today to overcome the evil that we face. If you have any questions about how to do that, it's best not to ask her. For as Baba Yaga says in her folktale, Vasilisa the Beautiful, Wow, said the old witch. Only remember that every question does not lead to good. If thou knowest over much, thou will grow old too soon. What will thou ask? Nothing, my dear Yaga, nothing at all. The wise crone knows it's time for you to leave. Your journey home takes you back through the forest. It may at times be difficult, but no fear. Her final words to you are, Remember to stay on the path. Do not leave the path no matter what you see or experience. 
And so it was, and so it is. Thank you for listening. This podcast has been sponsored by Heart Symbol Publishing, where you'll find a wide variety of guided imagery downloads to achieve your goals and enhance your life. This is the storyteller, Kathy Shimpock. This podcast is narrated by Linda Bennett. Music is The Snow Queen by Kevin McLeod at Incompetet.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License. Stories by the Brother Grimm are in the public domain.